Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. I'm your host, Janet Pilcher. Thanks for having a desire to be your best at work and help your organization achieve success. This podcast is all about actions we can take to improve workplace culture and achieve results. And they align to our nine principles for organizational excellence. It's been so great to have Quint's time for a series of podcast episodes over the past months. And without going through what we've gone through, I'm not sure Quint and I could have, could have balanced that time together. So it's been a gift. I welcome Quint back to our show to talk about, our, about innovation and what that means to build vibrant communities. Quint started his professional life as a special education teacher, and he continues to have great passion for education, as well as healthcare, where he continues to be a major influencer in the field. Quint has expanded his work now to help build vibrant communities. My conversation with Quint shows how good leadership simply transfers across fields. It's great to have Quint back on our show, and I know you're going to love to hear him talk about innovation. So let's get started. You focused the past several years, you've been building community connections. You know, why is it important to you and to communities to, to build those community connections, to build a vibrant community? Well, I think when you look at it, um, it, it comes down to place. And what's happened over the last couple of generations, Janet, is people used to think the goal is to get capital. You know, what's your goal to get capital? And, you know, I don't care if it's tax dollars, capital, private investment capital. Well, and they used to play this game, shovel-ready land, shovel-ready land. Well, what that was was free land and a lot of incentives. But what happened over the last couple, maybe five, six years, and I think with the school district too, it comes down to talent. You know, uh, it comes down to, to really talent. So how do you get talent? So when you look at building a community, you have to find, attract talent. So the formula used to be capital. Then the formula went capital attracts talent. But now, now it's gone to place attracts talent. So if you want to get investment in your community, because what school district doesn't want more taxpayers? What school district doesn't want more population? What school do district doesn't want tax dollars that help you create things for the people that maybe don't have the tax dollars, don't have the money? Um, so you, you sort of need to create that. So you have to create a sense of place. And Janet, when I look at it, sense of place to me started creating a sense of place for workers. You know, one of my favorite stories in healthcare, Janet, I was doing a workshop, might take you and your organization to the next level. And I had a, people come up to me and they had a name badge. And I was talking to them and they were from a certain city. And I asked them and I asked them what the biggest challenge was. And they said, we have a tremendous nursing shortage in our town. We just don't have enough nurses. So then later on that afternoon, uh, other people came up to me and I noticed their name badge. They were in a hospital in the same city. So I asked what their biggest challenge was and they gave me some other challenges and they never mentioned nursing. So I said, well, what about nursing? They said, oh, we got a waiting list. Now, this was the same city. Yeah. So, so, so the thing is, what did that hospital do the other one didn't do? Yeah. They created a sense of place. Mm. School districts are the same thing. Who has the best place for a person to teach? Mm -hmm. Who has the best place for my child to go to? Um, I know there's private schools and public schools, but parents are going to go where they think their child gets the best education. Absolutely. It comes down to a sense of place. Why? It's values again. You know, I, I remember one time 
uh, somebody, a uh, president of our chamber came in and he moved to Gulf Breeze. And people thought, how can he be the president of the, the Pensacola chamber and then not even live in Pensacola? And he made the decision based on his kids' education. And now you can't blame him. Right. Can't blame him. So then instead of blaming him, say, how do we create the right place? Right. So now if we look at the right workplace, the right school place, what is the ultimate thing is the right community place. And if you create the right community, you attract more people, you get more tax dollars. And where do, where do the majority of property taxes go? Police and fire, which is safety, and school district was his education. Yeah. You know, so as you've created that sense of place and helped build our community, um, you know, Quint, you, know, you talk a lot and you're talking more, I think, more and more about innovation. And innovation means is broad, right? But what does innovation mean to you? I think innovation is looking at ways to do things more effectively and more efficiently. And I know I take fancy terms and cut it down. So, you know, innovation could be something you think is minor, but it's not. It could be something that, which is a bright idea to make somebody's job easier or more effective. So, for example, in California one time, the nurses were saying that it takes so hot long to get a housekeeper to come up to the unit when something spills. So I said, okay. I said, well, would you be willing to clean up minor spills if you had the equipment and supplies on your unit? They said, yeah. So I went down to housekeeping and said, why don't you put some basic equipment and supplies up on the nursing station and, and they'll, take, they'll, they'll clean it. And they said, well, what if they steal the supplies? I said, I think we're safe. I don't think the nurses are going to take your supplies. <laughs> but so you might say that that wasn't innovative, but it was. It gained everybody more time. The nurse was sitting there waiting for the housekeeper, the housekeeper waiting for come, to come. So innovation. So I'll give you an example in Pensacola, Florida. We look at our, we diagnose our dashboard. And the dashboard said kids weren't ready for kindergarten. Well, the first thing people think of is, oh, we got to get more people in VPK. We get everyone in VPK. Life is good. That's not a true statement if you look at diagnostics. If 85% of the brain or between 80 and 85% of the brain is developed by age three, well, VPK, it's too late. So then you say, well, where do we go? So we get down to the University of Chicago that we're making home visits, trying to teach young mothers or mothers in general techniques for building their child's brain. Well, what's the challenge? Some of these moms are hard to find. Some of them move around a lot. So our innovation was getting mom before she leaves the hospital. So we moved the conversation into the hospital. And the University of Chicago just finished their peer review study and came up with the fact that we're turning the dial in kindergarten readiness mm -hmm. because we're doing, I think that's innovation. Absolutely. I think that's taking education into the hospital now, why should a hospital do this? Because if you have a smarter community, your payer mix goes up because you have more people with insurance and you create that better place and so on. I think that's very innovative. We just went into a program now where a new mom gives us her name and gives us the, the gender of her child per se. And then we text them twice a week based on the age of their child some things they can be doing to build their child's brain. I think that's pretty innovative mm -hmm. when you look at what we're doing because every new parent has a phone and every new parent looks at the text. So I, I think innovation 
comes when you look at what are some different ways to do things, but then you also have to be willing to disrupt and take the disruption. I mean, look at you and I talked about to, to get to get where they would need to get with online learning would have taken 10 years and it took 10 weeks. Right. You had to do it. So sometimes innovation comes when you crunch the timeline. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening as we as we look at the transition that's occurred. I mean, people are doing things they, that they never thought that they would be doing, right? Or that if we if we asked them to do it, they would be like, "No, you know, I don't want to do that." But they but the have to moved us to innovation. So how do you demonstrate now by diagnosing that the parent engagement has made a difference? Yeah. You know, because now you used to have a lot of data out there that yep. you should be able to say, because everybody's assuming the children are lagging behind because they're now learning online. Are they or aren't they? And I, and I think that's the way that parents see the world now because they live that education with their child. You know, it's going to change, I believe, change the expectations for our schools as well. You know, we did the innovation. We, we said, why don't we create early learning gardens? Mm-hmm. So we created the first early learning garden in the United States of America and studying Scandinavian countries that create ways for their children to learn. So, you know, one of the sad parts is when I go into a school, how little learning there is in the playground. They don't mm-hmm. have numbers. They don't have alphabet. They don't have colors. They're, they're, you should be learning constantly by the time, first of all, anywhere. I, I used to joke and I said, we did more health awareness in the bathrooms of Blue Wahoo Stadium than they do in the dang hospitals. You know, yeah, yeah. I, haven't been, I haven't been in the woman's bathroom, but I will tell you, when I'm in the men's bathroom, I know all about prostate exams and prostate <laughs> the whole wall. The whole yeah. wall is about prostate awareness. Yeah. And I go in the hospital, go into their restrooms, they don't even have stuff like that. That's um, right. I, I love those school principal that put hung below, hung like things from the ceiling at different heights. So when the kids would walk down the hallway, they would, would jump up and touch them. Well, see, what the problem is everybody's yelling for their kid to walk quietly, don't jump. Kids want to jump. Yeah. Why not let them jump? And now they're getting exercise. Mm-hmm. See, that's innovation. And I think that's- the reason people get paralyzed with innovation, because they think it's so, if, unless it changes the world. And innovation, we play small ball here. Innovation is like anything else. It's a number of small things that eventually you add up and you say, wow, this is pretty cool. Teacher Ready is a great example of an innovative program. I love Teacher Ready. That's how you and I first met. Right. Um, And that was an innovative program. Right. And I think you're right because we're really looking at problems that people need to be solved or and how do we help solve those problems and we're doing the right thing for the right reasons for people through those solutions, you know. And so I, I love that that it's not I think that's exactly what people think. I've gone to sessions that are around innovation and you know, it's always about something that's huge, but it's the smallest innovations that probably make the biggest differences. It's always blue sky and what is <laughs> yeah. it? Well no, we're not gonna reinvent. You reinvent a little bit. You know, I, I love the fact that, um, now I, I understand blue sky. I understand looking at it differently, mm-hmm. but it's okay to have small innovations. It's okay to play small ball too, because that's just what life mostly is. And that's what you can do is make these small little changes that are eventually add up. And all of a sudden there's a whole bunch of different things. And I, I think what we have a chance to do in education now is look at online learning, look at what we're doing. How do we get parents engaged? You know, all the great creative stuff that's going on is 
is pretty neat and study those teachers that were a little better at it than others. And the other thing is I think for, for principals is how do you engage virtual employees? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I actually think we might be better engaging. We might be better engaging virtually than we do in person because yeah. if somebody's right down the hallway, we think we see them, but we don't yeah. really see them. Right. That's right. We're paying much more attention to people when we're actually engaging in, with them online. You know, so as we summarize today, Quint, I love the conversation that we've had over the past couple of episodes, how we manage resistance to change and the story of the Blue Wahoos, and then really looking at innovation and continuing to look at the small innovations that make a big difference. You know, as we end today, what do you recommend that any local officials do in government K-12 higher ed as we're facing the COVID-19 re-entry plans or getting back to work? You know, what do you recommend that they do to solve problems in creative ways? I think you have to start with market research and polling. You have to start not guessing. You can't go on who calls you, who talks to you. You've got to do outbound market research to really feel what the issues are because the resistance might be less than you think or it might be different than you think. So I think it always starts, and what always amazes me, Janet, is like people that are diagnosticians in their normal job with students don't use those same skills as a leader. So I think it really starts with, where's your community at on this? What do they see? When would they feel safe? And then the decision you make is based on data, and some are gonna feel better and some aren't, and then you look at options. Mm-hmm. I mean, truly, you look at options. And I think the beauty about right now is you can offer options. Yeah. You, you imagine the, some of the people that might not have been comfortable in a classroom for certain reasons, maybe their own health or maybe their age, but they'd love to be online instructors. I think you're going to see a specialization of certain teachers that are just really good at online instruction. I think that's right, Quinn. And the other thing I think about too, just with, I have friends who have children or connected to grandchildren, probably more at my age this time, but it's, you know, that some of the young people who've struggled in school are somewhat excelling now because, you know, they're not facing some of the same issues that they face in school and they're able to manage their own learning and have that self-assurance in that process. So that's a learning as well. Well, I've always found, I tell people, I get, because of my special ed background, people will come to me with children that have challenges. They're not doing well in school. And I'll say, well, figure out what they're really good at and really focus on their strength. Because if they're not good in math, they're probably not going to be an accountant. Probably the only trouble they're going to have is in school. And there's, so what's the minimum thing they need to learn in some things, but really push them in other things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Go to somebody's strengths. And I think what we're learning more and more with students, they've talked about strength builder. Isn't that what we need to do with our students? Find they're strong with. They come home and they think what they can't do. And I got a call with a parent this week, and my big push to her is, your son's really talented in many ways. Focus in on what he can do instead of what he can't do. I think that's a great way to end today, Quint. Um, appreciate this conversation. I, I, uh, I thought that as we have looked at some of the things that we've been talking about, just to have that conversation for you to take you through stories and build a connection from resistance to innovation would just be a nice touch. You, you had so much value to your experiences and your knowledge here. I just really wanted to get your experiences. 
But, and we want it out there. So, you know, if any of the listeners that want a free copy of Building a Vibrant Community, if they contact you or me, we'll make sure we send them a free copy. Because it's all about changing the community. That's why I wrote this book. I wrote the book not to make money. I wrote it to make communities better. That's great, Quinn. All right. Thank well, you. Thanks. Well, hey, thank you. As you leave today, what resonated with you? As we face disruptions and challenges, we're being required to innovate. Quint reinforced that sometimes innovation comes when you have a short timeline for change. I loved that. And as we face the changes ahead, think about this key message Quint sent our way. The reason people get paralyzed with innovation is because they think they need to change the world. Innovation can be playing small ball. I really love that quote. And I think if we keep that in mind, we can do great and wonderful things as we make these changes through such a time of disruption and such through such the times of challenges that we face each and every day. So I hope that you take something away today from Quint's message. I know I sure will and, and I always do. And we thank you for tuning in to Accelerate Your Performance. Please share the podcast and make sure you're subscribed. If you're looking for more resources related to today's episode, head over to studereducation.com slash podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next time as we continue to focus on the nine principles for organizational excellence so that we can be our best at work. Have a great weekend.